In today's episode, we have Mike Harrison, one half of Biceps and Banter. When it comes to their own business, they'll go, oh, I've lost a client this week, so maybe I need to change something up. Well, no, you don't. Like, you just need to do these, you know, these set of processes, let, allow them to um, build equity over time. And in three or four months, you will, you will reap the rewards of what you're doing now. That's Mike. Along with his business partner, Dan, they make up the most anti-traditional business mentoring mentors in the business. So if you dislike the usual sleaze and slime that drips off every picture of a new Rolex and a rented Lamborghini, then these are probably your guys. They've made and continue to make a shitload of cash by doing things just a little differently. They think coaches need individualized approaches rather than templates. But what winds me up more is fabrication of social proof. That's the that's the that's the worst, most slimy thing that I can think of. In this podcast, we discuss the fact that being an online coach isn't just about being a good coach. So it's one of those things where again, there's so many parallels with fitness that I have to I have to kind of identify these with coaches at the check-ins, and I'm like, what you're doing this week is not for next week's mic, for example. Um, just like dieting. When you start a diet, you don't start your diet for next week's Mike because he's going to be shredded. You start it for the Mike in four months. And how the content you put out today isn't about the success it'll bring you tomorrow, but the success it can bring you further into the future. So if that sounds up your street, well then let's dive right in. Welcome back to the PT Project Podcast. We've got Mike with us. Mike loves to be generally, I would call the, the David Brent uh, of the fitness world if David Brent was actually more successful than he, than he is. Maybe that's the big difference. But Mike's life is 100% modeled on wishing he was partially Ricky Gervais. And so my first question for you, dude, you guys coach a lot of coaches and help them be better at their business. Who are the hardest and shittest people to coach and why? Uh, cool. Thank you for that. I do model myself on David Brent, mainly because I have no <laughs> material. Um yeah, the hardest people to coach are, uh, I would say, people who've got a resistance to marketing themselves and being online. Um, so obviously, I know what you boys do, and you're very good at obviously upskilling coaches to be better coaches. But in my opinion, the word online coach is two separate things. You've got to be online and you've got to be a coach. You can be a fantastic coach, you can be a fantastic mm -hmm. PT, have great communication skills with your clients, have the best service, cool. But if you're not able to demonstrate that online, um, you're not really going to get anywhere. So it's those people who've got like almost like an aversion to putting themselves out online. This, I don't know, almost like a, almost like a, a, a pre, um, you know, like, like a divine right to get clients in because apparently you're a good coach and apparently you can make a couple of posts and then get clients through. It's not that easy. Um, so those are the most difficult, the ones that have got really high expectations but are not really willing to do any marketing, essentially. Yeah, they just think people should rock up and not kick their door down because they're inherently awesome. Yeah, it's like, it's like, this, it's like this thing where they're just like, yeah, but I know I'm a really good coach. Yes, you do, but nobody else does, do they? That's what marketing is. <laughs> There's that resistance. I mean, we, I think we've we've seen a, enough of that to know it. And so God only knows, given the number of people who come to you, that you must see with with that type of thing. Where I like that you separated online and coach because being a good 
personal trainer kind of on the gym floor where most of these people are going to start. I'm sure there's some people who come to it fresh without any of that stuff, but most will probably have done at least some time on the gym floor. The skills that you need to be good on the gym floor, almost entirely unrelated other than the coaching part to having an online business. And so I get, you've got to be able, I think, to go into that going, I know fuck all possibly in this realm and be willing to not have that ego so front and center to be like, right, yeah, cool. I trust myself as a coach, but I don't know how people are supposed to come across me and what have you. How many people, like as a, I don't know if you can give a percentage on this. How many come across that way, have that arrogance or that unwillingness to think of themselves as, okay, I have to start from scratch of the people that you guys see? Um, relative, relatively few. So like, I think we're quite, I don't know. I don't know whether we're quite lucky. Right, um, I would say maybe maybe 10%, yeah. One in 10 might, might have that. So I don't know whether we're lucky or the way that we do our marketing is, is relatively abrasive. Um, and because of that... Relatively. Tend- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could dial it up. Um, yeah, I don't know whether because of that... Yes, do that. Please, I want to see that. that. I'd like to see that, that version. Um, yeah, I think because of that, because of our stance with the, the, the hero villain marketing that we tend to do, is that we tend to get a lot of coaches who are maybe being mentored by somebody else. So they almost, for, for the majority of the time, they almost then kind of understand that, okay, it's not maybe not going to be that easy. Um, so so I think maybe it's because we've set things up that way. But of course, occasionally you'll get somebody who's like, right, yeah, yeah I've, like you just said there, I've got, um, I do 20 hours uh, PT a week, so pretty good for clients, pretty good coach. So just think about getting a few more online so I can reduce those hours down. And it's, it's like, like you just said there, it's completely different. And this idea of me saying, right, well, you need to find out who your niche is, who, you know, who are you marketing to and why are you the best coach in the world for that specific set of set of people? And you get this pushback of, well, I didn't need to do that on, uh, on a gym floor. I was like, mm-hmm. yes, but there's still a niche there. Niche isn't just gender or profession. It's the niche <laughs> on a gym floor is yeah. do they live in a five to 10 mile radius of the gym? Are they attending the gym? Um, are they seeking to pay money to improve their health and fitness? They're now seeing you in the gym with coach on your back, coaching one of your clients, and you say, morning, how's your weekend to them every Monday? Like, that's the marketing that you're doing for your in-person stuff. It's not as simple as just st- sticking up a, a protein swap on Instagram and going, ah, oh, you know, do this to get more protein. Right. Let me just watch it. Let's wait for it to roll in. Yeah. Yeah. So is that something for yourself that came like naturally the, the understanding of niche demographic, how to get in someone else's head and talk to their aspirations, their fears, those things, or is that something you kind of worked on or some combination of the two? Yeah. So like, um, so when I first got into doing this, I used to listen to the Paul Moore podcast quite a lot. And back in the day, he wasn't doing what he's doing now. I don't really know what he does now too much, but back in the day, it was more so about email marketing um, and getting your personality over email marketing. Um, and to me, I was like, cool, if this is how I'm going to do things, this is how I want to be. So um, that's where I would swear and get my personality over. And just by swearing and trying to get your personality over, you're going to attract a, a certain demographic of people, or you're going to put off a certain demographic of people, let's say, which is essentially niching down. Mm-hmm. So from from the early stages, um, 
that that's kind of what I wanted to do because it felt more authentic to me. So it would therefore be easier for me to do it. So off air, we've just uh, had a discussion about Team Vox, where, where I was part of. And I, when I say discussion, I mean, God, there were some expletives. Um, and <laughs> I've said nothing. And this is, a, this is saying something, because I usually say fucking everything, and I'm staying quiet on this. Oh, you were the worst. Yeah, I was. That's why I'm staying quiet now. I said, I mean, uh, heinous, disgusting, was, yeah. probably arrested. Yeah. You think Hugh Edwards' stuff was bad? No, it's not. That's, I'm, I'm very much, I'm very much putting this in a specific moment in time, and you need to have been in the UK for that reference to work. But we've gone with it. Yeah, uh, think of some other notorious nonsense. Um, who else? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I just really enjoyed the phrase "notorious nonce," <laughs> and I think that needs to be a list. The top ten notorious nonces through history is <laughs> alliteration. Well, you know, always. Yeah, one hundred percent. Always a win. <laughs> Rolf Harris, he's got to be on the list. Joseph Fritzl, kind of different, but you know. Yeah. Anyway, we've, we've very much derailed this. Uh, I've no idea what the fact Rolf Harris and Joseph Fritzl had to do with what yeah. Team Box, so, yeah. something about that. So we were saying that, uh, you know, th- a few things transpired with a, if you're unaware of what Team Box was, I'm, I'm not surprised, but it was basically a, um, a collaboration between a few coaches, very much a too many cooks for the broth type coaching company. And there was two kind of factions of the company where one half thought that you needed to be really professional Um within your marketing, might I add, really professional within your marketing, um, everything kind of like scripted, um, everything almost like a, no, I can't say this because this is me biased. Super corporate type thing? Yeah, like, yeah, like stiff, you know, stiff corporate style, you know, Apple, Mercedes type, you know, that, and that's cool, like there's certain, you know, there's certain people that that works for, but that, that just wasn't me. I don't kind of fit in with that, which is, again, fine as well. And the way that myself and my business partner now, Dan, would, would do our marketing was very much like we do it now, like laid back, in our opinion, laid back, a little bit more, I guess, jovial, you know, less polished, um, but still professional within your job is what is how we see it, is that we don't, you don't need your marketing to be professional, but professional with work. Your service is professional, you're punctual, you give a good service, all of that stuff, right? Of course, that's a given. So... The, even in those days, we kind of knew how we wanted to go around our social media. And then it was almost like um, it almost the, the, the results that we were getting in terms of people coming through the door, it almost fed into that and, and kind of encouraged us to do it a little bit more because we found that the more ourselves we were, the more of the almost like right clients were coming in, almost like the people who were just like you, you would literally go for a beer with would come to you because you were just being yourself. And because of that, you would then form a better bond with them and a better relationship, which only helped the coaching experience because you would retain them longer and you would be able to get better results from them. And the better results that you got, the more than you could put on your social media and attract people that looked like that, that sounded like that, and it fed into itself. So it just kind of like, again, it was always there from the early days, but now we kind of know, having worked with a lot of coaches, it's, that, that it's so important. So when we talk about niches, it's not even, like I said before, it's not even like profession, gender. For us, it was more like personality type that was our niche. It was like right. self-deprecating, doesn't really take things too seriously, probably wants to get some good results because that's what we demonstrate in taking people to shoots, but probably doesn't want to stand on stage and, and do all of that stuff. So it didn't matter whether they were male yeah. or female or what age or what profession or economic status. It was more like, Again, you probably like the office or you know some form of dry wit and things like that. So again, that's that's just what we did. 
Does that make sense, or did I just ramble? No, no, that makes that makes complete sense. Jimbo, did you were you about to say something there, or have I just misread your face? <laughs> no, that makes sense. I was just say if you were to lead that on to sort of a, a business perspective. Now, um, you've mentioned obviously about the hardest type of coaches to sort of mentor from a business perspective. What would you say are the the best type of coaches uh, that you see come in? And like, yes, okay, they're in your niche. They've got your personality. They click. There's a connection there. You think, okay, they come on board. Yeah, they're gonna excel. They're gonna do well. So um, it's the people that probably understand that it's um, a longer process. So people who operate- can you get a tiny bit closer to the mic, otherwise Gordon is gonna kick me in oh, the face God, for the fact God. that that got really quiet there. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna move it. Yeah. To me. He's an asshole that way. There we go. Um, yeah. So. I would say people who understand it's going to be, you know, who operate on a longer time time horizon. So basically people who understand that what they do today doesn't get in clients tomorrow. So I remember one coach came in to me and said, um, oh, that's a disgusting phrase, isn't it? Um, <laughs> um, that's very much a me reference so i've enjoyed that you made it because even i hadn't even gone down that but mike's brain immediately went to being just jizzed inside of yeah, and I mean, um, that's the kind of business that we're, we're dealing with here uh, <laughs> um, so I, I remember a coach came in and he was like mike i need some clients you know straight away um is there anything that i can do and rather facetiously i said make better content four months ago um <laughs> but, but that, but that's the that's the that's the game. That's that that's it. So like when you're talking about better clients, it's that understanding of okay, it's going to take some time. I'm going to have some faith that what you're saying is is right, and I can kind of see where you're going with the principles that you have about attracting the right people, building a relationship with these people that's not necessarily focused around fitness, but more so on a personal level, so that when they are ready to start coaching that you're going to be the coach for them. So that's the principles that we would be, you know, uh, work on. So the people that come in and the, do, the, the, do the best kind of understand that that's going to happen from the get-go. So they're open to, okay, here's the process. We're going to work out your niche. Then we're going to find out what elements and what traits you have that we need to accentuate online to be able to attract these people in. And then we're going to work on how you're going to build that relationship by clever use of um, baiting engagement through stories or or, your, or the content that you're that you're making, and then we're going to just enhance that know, like, and trust by getting them onto an email list, and then identifying the people that might be somewhat moderately interested, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to coach them. It's it's a long thing to to, to build a business. Um, so the so to answer James' question, the best clients are the ones that recognise that it's a process, um, and that you can't just um, have a pop-up business that that generates a ridiculous amount of money within the first two weeks. Um, yeah, it, you're not selling donuts. It's going to be harder to, <laughs> to sell on that thing. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, the thing that, resonant, that that struck me with within that to some degree is, you know, if you're listening to this as a coach, does that not just sound like the best clients to work with? If you're like a fat loss, weight loss coach, people who've got a longer time frame horizon, they're not expecting results by yesterday. Right. And that some of this shit takes time because if most of you are going to work with those people, like that should resonate pretty strongly with shit that you see and strikes. I think all of us is going, yeah, that's about right. Like you can pick up a client on the gym floor as a PT within five minutes. That never happens online. No one's ever signed up for coaching within five minutes of having seen you. Like it's a, it is a longer game. And you, so and cool you actively you don't want the people that sign up within five minutes of seeing you because they've made a knee jerk decision and they've not listen to you they've not built like um, a trust with you and and often i find the ones that come in mm. um 
over the shorter term in terms of uh, in terms of when they followed me because I, I kind of almost I track these kinds of things and on average by the way it's between three to six months that somebody comes into coaching you'll obviously get outliers that follow um, that that's interesting quicker or you'll also get the ones that followed you for years as well but i would say about 80 percent of people come in between three and six months so it's one of those things where again there's so many parallels with fitness that i have to i have to kind of identify these with coaches at the check-ins and i'm like um what you're doing like so like what you're doing this week is not for next week's mic for example um, just like dieting, when you start a diet, you don't start your diet for next week's Mike because he's going to be shredded. You start it for the Mike in four months <laughs> it's going to be shredded, right? And what you've got to do is you've got to yeah. accept the process over the course of that time. But what happens with coaches is that they're quite eager to tell their clients, don't focus on the, on the scale as a result, focus on the process <laughs> and the result will come. Yet when it comes to their own business, they'll go, oh, I've lost a client this week. So maybe I need to change something up. Well, no, 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 you don't. Like you just need to do these, you know, these set of processes, let allow them to um, build equity over time. And in three or four months, you will, you will reap the rewards of what you're doing now. And the beauty of that is, is that when that three or four month period comes around, is that it almost then acts like a conveyor belt that everything that you're doing next week is for three months in the future. And the week after that is for three months in the future, the week after that, three months in the future. So once you've got that inertia out of the way, you should then have a steady flow of people coming through the door. Look at Mike chucking out the biomechanics term, just to, just to you know, get in on this podcast. <laughs> I think even if we're looking at analogies there, like it's not almost just fat loss. We're thinking we're thinking muscle building. Because fat loss, we're thinking we can almost see weekly results. You can see the changes close to week to week. Muscle building, like you need three or six months before you actually see any visible progress. So that's more from, a, in my eyes, from a business perspective, like you need a three to six month period before you expect any sort of change at all. Do you know what? I think you just give them more trend is my understanding. Yeah, of yeah things true. We can chuck in some clan and trend and like get both <laughs> in the same guy. Always more. Do you know, do you know what though? I think coaches have a better understanding of that than they do business though. Because like you'll see, for example, competitors. Yeah. So I'll work with some bodybuilders who will allow themselves a 12 month gaining phase to gain three pounds of muscle, yet won't allow themselves a 12 day yeah. um, phase with their business. <laughs> like it's like you're doing that for 12 months to get three pounds. Oh, um, like, come on. Um, give me 12 months um, and we'll be all good. But yeah, it's, it's, it's astonishing. That's right. I was having a conversation actually with a, an input, with a, one of my own clients and he works on the gym floor and stuff. And he's like, oh, I need to, you know, I, I need to earn a bit more money. So I've been like, right, go check out Dan and Mike first off is one of the things. But I was like, okay, knowing even the things that I do about this, like for, so you said three to six months for someone to come in. For someone, for me, for coaching, the average seems to be between six and 12 right? When they rock up through the door. So if I'm putting out content and shit, that's, and I need clients tomorrow, I best have been putting stuff out for a little while because otherwise they ain't coming in tomorrow. Yeah. But this guy was like, well, I, you know, I, I need a bit more. He's got to look after his mum now because she's just injured herself. So can't kind of work. So he's got some extra expenses and some other kind of shit. I was like, all right, first off, the man never, <laughs> never used to walk the gym floor, never walked the floor. Mm -hmm. uh, in spite of the fact works in a gym and you're like, okay, you can pick up clients within five minutes of talking so i tried to do just a bit of maths with him of going like all right just this week you know you're you're not allowed to leave the gym till you spoke three to five new people 
pick a number that you're happy with in there. You pick three. And I was like, fine, right? Before you kind of leave. Because, okay, that's, if you do that across the week, 15 people across the week knew, right? Of 150, 165, what's that? 180 across a year. You only need 20, right? For a pretty successful in-person kind of business. So, all right, that starts to add up. And within the first week of doing this, he had three new clients. It's like, sweet, because he's actually a good trainer, because he's been part of the mentorship and all the rest of the stuff. You guys should 100% obviously pay us money for, right? But so he does that, and that's all great. I was then like, okay, so how many hours of talking to people on the floor did it take for you to pick up those clients? And then how many hours have you been spending making content and trying to be better at all this? And how many clients has that brought in? It's like, I don't know, like one. <laughs> all right, so your return on time investment for this, if you need them now, where do you think it should be if this is the aim for just getting money in now? So I think that idea of like, the you've got to play the longer game if you want to be an online coach and you're starting out within this. If you're expecting a crap load of clients straight through the door tomorrow, mm -hmm. like you're, you're picking the wrong thing and you're setting your expectations wrong. That's like, I need to be shredded by next week. It's not happening. Yeah, so like... So I suppose one of the questions I've got for you then is... Yeah, go for it. I, I was just going to say, just to, to, to build off that, like, that's exactly right. Like, so him trying to get quick wins online would be... Analogy wise, it would be like he's in the gym currently where all his leads are, but going online, he's like going outside of the gym onto the high street and asking whether somebody wants to sign up with him. He's handing out leaflets just to random people on the high yeah. street. Yeah. You know, you could go back in the gym, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I thought I'd advertise at the laundrette. I thought <laughs> that's, that's literally it, though, isn't yeah, it? I'd it's advertise like, outside the pub. Go advertise to every single person that you can yeah, or just go to the people that are already pre-qualified as interested in the fitness, you know, within that gym. It's Dude, I was, I was, it made me laugh. This was literally yesterday, day before yesterday. I was just at the gym that I train out of myself and uh, it was, I was there kind of later at night because work had run a bit long. So like 8 p.m., the gym closes at like 9-ish. And uh, one of the guys working there just had his headphones in while he's wandering around the gym floor cleaning and stuff. And I was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> I almost guarantee that'll be the same person who complains that not many people buy PT. Yeah. All right. It's, it, was, it was just kind of outrageous. So the amount of trainers, even on the gym floor, where marketing is way easier because, you know, half of the stuff is, are they near you? Yeah. <laughs> and have you spoken to them? And are you not an asshole? Right? Like, like, still, some of them suck at that bit, which kind of blows my mind a, a tiny bit. But if we, if we bring it to the online space, which is obviously what you guys do more of, and one of the ways you've positioned yourselves, you and Dan, is almost, as I think you called your event, the anti-mentor mentoring thing, right? Okay. So what is it that you find the most annoying, the most fucking frustrating about the traditional mentoring space or the mentoring space we see a lot of? Do I have to pick one point or can I, can I like... <laughs> No, you can pick many points. Yeah, yeah. Time, you can have a few. Cool. <laughs> Off your run. I'll cover a few. Yeah, right. So... The way that I see mentorships, um, not all of them are sleazy. Some of them, some of them are, and some of them yeah. aren't. I think some of them, um, the the owner um, of, the, of the company can have good intentions and, and actually be a good person. I know there's a couple of those, but there's also a couple of knobs as well. Um, but the way that I see it, and again, like again, I'm I'm not the the mentor police, but when when we when we're coaching fatless clients, we agree that giving everybody the same meal plan is probably not the best way to coach them. Yet, if you gave 500 people the same meal plan, you would get 30 or 40 results by default. I see mentorships as similar to that. It's a predefined template of what one must do. 
Um, and you'll get 30 or 40 results out of, out of 500. And of course, they'll be lauded all over Instagram about how good the mentorship is. Now, if we agree that coaching somebody bespokely with them, um, with, with your particular client at the forefront in terms of um, capabilities, restrictions, likes, needs, values, wants, you know, aspirations, and, and that's up from a fitness setting, I also agree. I also believe that to be true. So with business is that I can't, for example, do the same thing with a bodybuilding coach than I could do with a, a coach that works with slimming world women, right? The marketing is very different. So I don't understand how there can be templated approaches. So that's one thing that bothers me, but it, it's not necessarily like the biggest bugbear of mine because I do, you know, I understand that that's the most scalable way to, 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 to run a business. It's very difficult to be a hands-on coach and not everybody, you know, wants to do it the way that I do it. But I just feel that it's a, an inferior, I feel like it's an inferior way to coach. That's how I feel. The thing that- It's like group coaching versus like one-to-one, right? I would say so, yeah. And, 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 and I believe that the price should reflect that, yet it doesn't. Um, so if you are yeah, going yeah. to do that, which is like we have a members group, which is like £99, the price reflects that. It's like you need to get one client from this to cover your cost. Cool. Yeah. Right. Whereas other mentorships, you've got to pay like 10 grand for that. And you're just like, <laughs> how, how many years have they got to work to get that back? Um, but anyway, so, so that's not, you know, that's a little bugbear. But what winds me up more is fabrication of social proof. That's the, that's the, that's the worst, most slimy thing that I can think of. Wait, how, how many people are fabricating social proof? Um, well, I know that one mentor, I can't name names because they'll... Sure, sure. You can tell me later. I know, yeah. I know that one mentor actively tells the coaches within his mentorship to lie about social proof. So Fucking if you're within hell. those mentorships and your mentor is telling you to lie about social proof, think about what he did to attract you. So, or she, yeah. women are filthy as well. Um, <laughs> or they, they, or, them. Or them. They are. Sids, whatever, whatever your pronouns are. Whatever, you know. It's We're all inclusive over here, mate, you know, obviously. Yeah. Uh, even though we are three straight white guys, it's irrelevant. <laughs> uh. um, um, yeah, so, so fabrication of that and fabrication of what they did within a fitness business themselves as well. So I've seen some people inflate numbers that they've done, wow. which I know for a fact to be um, dishonest, like actual fact to be dishonest. Um, yet then you see it being used as bait to sell people into somebody's five grand, 10 grand mentorship uh, as proof of success. So like it's the, um, the dishonesty that I think is my biggest bugbear. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's like photoshopping your before and after photos. <laughs> like, uh, don't, yeah, don't. Let's get this. <laughs> Unless it's comically done for funny, right? Then, in which case, I can kind of, I can be on board with that. Oh, that might be I mean, funny once. Think about how easy it is. Like, it, it's it's really yeah. easy to do. Um, and when money's involved, people will. Yeah, people it. message themselves with like nice messages, being like, "Dude, you've been so helpful. I've made this," and just send it from a different phone. Of course, of course, you do. See, I could be one of these mentors. This is this. I'm going to change career, <laughs> change business model. <laughs> it would be so easy to do. So you you're then down to your your morals and your ethics, and I don't believe that everybody is in this 
because they want to do a good job. I believe that some people are in it to try to make some quick money. Hmm. Yeah. And it's like, look, you're allowed to want to make money. That's fine. But maybe don't do it at the expense of being a completely dishonest wanker. And is that, do we really even have to point that out? The fact that you, we haven't had to point that out is a sorry state of affairs to to a large degree. Right. So imagine, imagine you and Dan. Yeah, go on, go on, go on. No, I enjoy your imagines because I enjoy where you take these analogies. So go with what was going to come out of your mouth. Imagine me saying, look, guys, to you, I've got a business model. We made like five million last year. Like, do you want to check it out? And then you go, hey, what? (laughs) Yeah, let's check it out. And I go, look, to hear about it, you've got to pay me five grand. And then you pay me your five grand. And then you realize that I never actually did make five million pounds and that there is no business model and that you've just, you're 5,000 pounds worse off. And then tied in to yeah. months off the back end. So I've had a few people come to me, one of which was £20,000 in debt from a mentorship. Um, work out the ROI on that. Holy um, shit. Yeah, 20 grand in debt because I believe it was 7000 up. How long was that mentorship? It was 7000 up front for, I think, three months. And then it was 12 months recurring uh, at £1,000 a month. So it was, was £19,000, basically. Um, and that... That's a lot of money. I'd want a, a some serious return. <laughs> yeah, more than on a twenty grand investment. I've just got maybe just act as like devil's advocate on that. Haven't you like to be the person that invests that amount of money without any sort of revenue coming in? <laughs> you're <laughs> like, a chancer. Yeah, <laughs> like, you've got to question that individual in a sense. So, in my, in my uh, eyes, like for someone to put that much money in when they haven't got some form of income coming in, thinking, okay, in three months, six months, I'm going to have this revenue coming in. They're like, they're ending the process with that much debt and they so, haven't brought anything back. So this, this, so people are encouraging people to, um, and I know this to be fact as well, because they've been out and said it themselves on social media. They're encouraging the use of credit cards and loans um, to start mentoring because it's what they did to begin their business um, and almost demonstrating that you actually don't want it enough unless you're prepared to invest in your business. And they're saying that there's a guaranteed return on investment, yet there isn't a guaranteed return on investment because they can't be. Um, I've heard of one mentor that when price becomes an issue has, has asked whether um, their parents could lend them the money. Um, oh my God. Like, so you can kind of say it's their fault in a way, but when somebody's saying you're going to make this money back, I promise you, you, you do have to kind of invest to make it back. Imagine if you invested this this money and, and we got you in 20 clients within this space of time. So you'd actually be open. You'll have these services and you'll have these, the, the, the this support network and all of this. And you would take a chance. You, you would, or some people would take a chance quite obviously. And they go, do you know what? That sounds about right. I will. I'll return that back. And then they're tied in for a year. I've heard of people trying to leave these mentorships. I got one guy who um, wanted to leave the mentorship, um, cancelled his payments, and the particular mentor had people set up fake accounts to go and find him um, on Instagram, were messaging him, uh, saying, we're going to ruin your credit rating. You're never going to get a mortgage. We're going to personally make sure you never make it in fitness. Um, like, it's It's madness. Yeah, that's a, that's some sleaze bag. This is the thing, right? It's not the 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 cost by itself because we all know people charging that type of money 
And but they're you if it's done well, it's because they're thought of very highly. They do have a proven track record of really increasing the return that someone has on on various bits and pieces. And so they end up being able to charge these things, but they charge these things to people who can afford it. And it, that's the I think the bit. They're not sleazily doing it. They're not faking what they're actually delivering on on the backside. And they certainly I don't know anyone really who's I really respect who's like, nah man, you should definitely you know, mortgage yourself for this. <laughs> this is what you need to do. Like, forget, you know, that money you put aside for like your kid's education in the future. Nah, think of how much more money you'll have by doing this that you can invest in your kid's future and stuff. It's like, that's it. That's, that's, that's literally a, it, isn't it? That's like, a move I'm not on board with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. That, it's just, it's, it's, it's just a little bit murky. And like, you boys have been in the industry a long time. And like, remember when, when we were coming up in the industry and, the um the holy grail was to to learn from um like knowledgeable coaches you'd be you know you'd be looking at kind of um like eric helms or like brad schoenfeld or you know james krieger and you'd and, and you'd be you'd be going to seminars and listening to these people and trying to develop your coaching skills and now it's like mm-hmm. as soon as you've got your pt qualification you've got these mentors that are they've got these vas that are just pumping they're just pumping out you know these, these follows these these messages and people that are fresh coming into the industry and they're being told we're going to do this we're going to do that we're going to do the other um and you're right these people can't afford it and they're being sold an inferior product or they're being sold on a dream and like you just said if, if you boys again established business probably probably good revenues we're like right you know what we want to take things up a notch you aren't going to have to invest to move yourselves up from that level where you're at to the next level of course you are but when you've got three clients and the mentorship is asking you to pay five grand, like that's not the the that, that that's not right. Um, yeah, it's just the ethics behind it is what I don't like. I mean, Jimbo's right to some degree of going like, look, it doesn't mean the person who invested in that is free of any blame, yeah. and they need to take some responsibility for their apparently dumb decision <laughs> within that. But it also it's a bit of both, right? And. We can't do anything about the people who are being taken advantage of, but hopefully you can put stuff out. I don't know if I'm just showing my age and people expect now to get in the industry and have that quicker win, that if they've got three clients and they have this business mentor telling them that they're now going to earn 5, 10, 15K months and have 50 clients, how they really expect that to be reality. Whereas I knew when I started in the industry face-to-face, I was like, okay, I need two years. Like If I can make it work in two years, I'll stay in. Like, I, think I almost gave myself that time period rather than thinking, okay, well, I've got three weeks. I've got like, I need to invest in this thing. It's not fucking working. And like, it, it took me six to 12 months to build any sort of client base in a face-to-face gym. Um, and that's not bad. That's not, like, I know people have taken way longer than that to build a reasonable in-person one. Because when you start out, when you first qualified as a PT, in the nicest way, there's so much you don't know yet. And as with all skills, they take time to like accrue to get those things. And Really, I think we see the industry average, something like less than a year at the moment, a year to 18 months, the industry average for when someone qualifies to just quitting because it isn't what they thought it was going to be. And to a large degree, that's because most people are lacking skills, whether that's online or in person, they're lacking the skills. Are they are they coming in at a younger age? Are they coming in more naive than we did? I think Maybe. like what what makes them believe that now it's going to be that easy? I think yeah. I think online I co- online coaching is relatively new though, right? Is that you started on the on yeah. the gym floor, 
which of course it's going to be more difficult to build up a client base because there's a there's a finite number of members within that within that gym and, and you've probably got competition within that gym whereas with online you've got the the whole of instagram basically to market to to some degree um and because of the social proof that's that's out there of mentors and again like of course a mentor of course you you demonstrate your quick wins because that's that's the game right you know you're going to show your best results whether you're a fitness coach or a business coach but because it's been made to look so easy and people have been manipulated into feeling like they're going to get a return that i almost feel like they're not becoming considered investments and and again like you said they're not completely blame free because you do take it on the chin again for reference i joined a business mentorship when i first started out i paid three and a half grand on a credit card I genuinely did it myself like I was one of these idiots, James. So, um, like, <laughs> I'm talking so, about these numpties who have sucked in. You've um, identified, you. <laughs> so you've identified yourself as the ideal client because you've just said, "Yeah, I gave myself two years." So you've just said, "Right, James is great to work with," and I've just gone, "Yeah, I bought you straight away." Um, <laughs> um, but I did. I, did. I mean, then this needs to be a bit of content because I've not heard you say that before. Yeah, I don't think I've said it before. Like I am. Um, it was with a company. So I got qualified as a nutritionist through Body Type Nutrition uh, Academy. And they had um, like an expert speaker come on and talk about um, now that you're going to be qualified, how to you know set yourself up in business and so on and so forth. And they put on a little event. And the little event, you go there and it's basically a sales pitch, but I was naive. And the sales pitch was like, you know, um, here's why you're struggling. Here's what your, you know, issues are going to be. Here's, you know, all the solutions. And here's the social proof of all of the people that have done amazing. Um, and it was the the old, yeah, it's usually um, £10,000. But because you guys are here today, it's three and a half pounds It's £12.50. Yeah. Like, and you're just like, do you know what? I am, I do want, I do want my business to work. And do you know what? This is a small price to pay if I'm going to make it. And, you know, you join up and you learn your lessons. And I took a few bits out. Of course I did. Um, but not three and a half grand's worth. You know, it, it was one of those things. So people do do it. Um, sometimes for the right reasons, because they want to help. They, they want to coach people. They want to have clients. And yeah. they don't know where to start. There is no qualification for online coaches, which you boys should do, by the way, just saying. Um, there is no qualification for online coaches you get qualified as a pt you go and work in a gym what do you do when you become an online coach you change your bio to online coach and then you look around you and you go well what content are other <laughs> online coaches making so shall i make content the same as them and you probably do start to make content like other online coaches which is the worst thing you can do within marketing yep. the worst thing you can do is blend in to your competition when they've got more results than you so that's the word. So there is no qualification. There's no standard. So people then start to go, right, well, what am I missing? And what is missing at the moment is these mentorships. And that's not the right answer. How how long did it take? So there was a, a bit on like, you know, standing out and stuff, which kind of leads on to one of the things that you clearly have your style. Um, and you and Dan clearly work very well together and have clearly defined roles in the roles you play on camera with each other, which always works nicely. But like, how long did it take for you guys to have, for you to find your own personal style and that thing together? I imagine it was almost quite naturally there in its in a simpler format early on, and then you figured it out kind of as you went away. But how long did it take you to find like your voice, your style of that shit? Yeah, so like um, I started to rant 
to camera when it was Snapchat. So I was, um, although I think that's made a comeback with the younger kids. Um, Trying to pick up 13-year-old girls. Well, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, so I started to rant to camera. So I, I, I basically took Paul Mort's principle of email marketing with, with personality to video. And I would talk about fitness-related topics and rant on them um, on, on Snapchat. So I kind of developed my personality on there. And then, like, when I when we merged and me and Dan were together, we were filming um, to promote an ebook that we'd created. And then um, we were just dicking around. And, like, the bloopers were just, like, were just funny. Like, we were just, we were just good. We both had a similar sense of humour. We both liked The Office. So, like, if I was ever travelling to Bath, it was Dan's that I would stay at um, and, and, not, and not Steve's, for example. And we would just kind of like get on and we built a friendship and built a bond. And it just, the, you put the camera on and I'd just be trying to make him laugh. Like that was basically it. I'd just try to make him laugh. What can I say to make him laugh? And and that was it. And it just came across quite well. And it was, it was weird because I remember we were putting videos out on Facebook. And it, again, we would sit down and we would talk about intermittent fasting. And then we would go, you know, you're, you're not fasting. You fucking skip breakfast, you know, like... Um, you know, what do you want? Like, what do you want a medal? You know, if you could get it over your neck, type thing. It was, it was like, it was like we were kind of being um, like that way inclined, and people started to pick it up. And I remember Phil Learney shared one of our videos, and I was like, "Fucking hell!" I was like, "Phil Learney shared all of our videos." I was like, no. "I've made it now." <laughs> yeah, so I'd been to like a couple of his seminars and stuff like that, and I was like, bit, you know, not fanboy as such, but I was a bit like. He's somebody who I respect. Cut him off a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And um, he shared it. And then he bit, started messaging bit. us. And then I was like, um, dick pic was a bit much, but, you know. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, now he started messaging us. And we were just like, this is good. Like, this is this is good stuff. And we went to Body Power, and Phil came over to us. And Phil was just chatting to us. And we got, like, like people were, like, actually, like, were noticing it as weird as it sounds so then phil invited us to his house um to oh this is going getting weird isn't it but um, swinging no, he, that's he, uh that's this is taking a different turn all right he invited us to his house and um to film a video basically because he liked what we were doing um and it was it was before like it was before like james smith had taken off as well so like we were it, it, it mm. was kind of different at that time, or at least we thought it was different. It was not like anything else that we were following, that we were being a bit sweary, a bit ranty, trying to be a bit funny and talking around these fitness topics. So it was before that came up. But anyway, he invited us over. Steve got jealous, of course he did, and all that stuff. But um, but yeah, that's how it kind of like <laughs> took off. And it just kind of went from there. We were like, right, people seem to be saying like, yeah, we like this style. So we just then played on it. And like you just said there, you kind of assume roles. And what we say is like, Obviously, if you're sat together having a coffee, we, we don't act like we do on camera, but you just turn up, you just turn, <laughs> you just turn the volume up a little bit. Like you don't, right? You, you have yeah. a coffee with you, Paul, and yeah. you're not going to be sat there doing what you do on camera, um, or at least I hope not. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, getting, getting really close to your face like this and then coming back. Like, really close to the camera. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... Um, but yeah, so we just exaggerate, basically. We just like turn the volume up on our personalities because it has to be, to be captivating. Um, yeah. So that's how we found it, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I find myself just nodding and kind of agreeing. I think these bits, they're just an amplification of who you naturally are. 
when you're trying to find your style online, it's like, look, if I hung out with you at the coffee shop, I should still recognize the person that I see on social media. It's likely just to be a slightly toned down version of that. And amplifying, it doesn't mean like getting louder necessarily. It could be being, Mike's he might be harsher online than he is in person yeah. all the time, right? Or not quite as dry all the time. But he's playing up to that a little bit in certain parts of content because that's part of the personality that makes him laugh. And he's like, this shit's fun and I enjoy therefore making it. And actually, because it seems then authentic to me and like a, a slightly more polished authentic, ah, it's resonating with people. And I think so much of coaching is, you know, do you like the other person? No, who wants to work with a coach they don't like? Like that strikes me as just fucking self-evidently not the case. And well, how do you hope to ever get people who like you if you never show what you're actually like? Because if they do work with you, they're going to have to see what you're actually like. And just fucking, if it makes you laugh and you think it's vaguely interesting, try it. Worst case, it's on Instagram for about, you know, an hour and then people have forgot it exists. So there's no, like, there's not a big risk to you trying something. Um, in the online space. Yeah, literally, literally, you need three things for somebody to sign up with you as an online coach. Just three things. Um, one of them is is now the right time for that for that client, which you can't really influence. Um, you can you can mm. try to do your best version of uh, encouragement. You know, it's January. You know, be less fat. You know, summer's coming. You know, you're gonna look shit on the beach. <laughs> um, like. But if it's really, I really want that to just be like a shit poster that just says <laughs> it's January. Be less fat. Sign, sign up now. Um, marketing one hundred and one. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, like, you can do your best version of trying to encourage it to be the right time. If it's really not the right time, it's just really not the right time. You are not going to strong arm somebody in, yeah. and if and if you do, they will stay for about a month or two, get no results, and then tarnish the relationship yeah. anyway. So that's 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 point number one of what somebody needs to to, to come in to work with you. Number two is, am I going to get a result in the direction that I want that result? So again, massive social proof is massive, but. In, in, in on an even playing field where everybody has social proof now, you need that third thing. Do I like them? That's it. Is now the right time? Will they get me a result? And do I actually like them? Do I actually like them is the thing that stands out above everything else. Because there's no doubt more that there's probably a ton of bodybuilding coaches out there with some ridiculously good transformations. Of course there are. But would everybody sign up with a bodybuilding coach? No, because they might not necessarily like the person, for example, and they might like somebody else's approach slightly better. So you you must be you, you must be ticking those three boxes for somebody to sign up. And the like is massively, massively important because it's probably the one that you can influence the most. And how do you get people to like mm -hmm. you? You be yourself because you've probably got family and friends that like you. And if you haven't, then you're probably not going to be an online coach. You've got bigger problems um, and you need some therapy, a lot of help, just maybe a hug, uh, maybe get a puppy. Like all these things could help you before you start worrying about your online on business. I mean, maybe, you, you know, look, you'll find some coaches like Cal strikes me. Now, Cal actually has a great personality. But I Cal thought the tangent you're going to go there is that Cal no sucks. one likes Cal. Uh, like uh, Cal's a cock. Cal's actually surprisingly funny and a really good dude, but he worries less i think about putting his personality on stuff because he has that many results he's just churning these fuckers out and he's working with olympia bodybuilders and then actually one thing he's very good at is once you do work with him he builds relationships very well because he's a really likable guy so he doesn't put as much of it in his content but if you're listening to this and thinking you're going to copy cal 
You're not, because if you were, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast because you'd be too busy with all of the clients that you now definitely don't have. So if that's the case, we're back at Mike's point of being like, you probably need this personality aspect in it. Hell, if you've made it this far through the podcast, it's probably because you like me, Jimbo, and Mike to varying degrees. And sometimes you're like, God, Paul, shut the fuck up. Let Jimbo talk Hopefully he didn't just jump on the list this far in the podcast and not like me and Paul uh, and just think, oh, I'm only going to listen to this for Mike. <laughs> I highly doubt and that. that could happen. I mean, yeah. he's, he's very likable. <laughs> that is <laughs> doubtful. I mean, um, that's, I, I'm, I've been sat here waiting for him for hours <laughs> waiting for this day. This, the whole structure of my fitness career to this moment has been, this how do I get my pinnacle of a career? career. <laughs> yeah. So obviously me and Jimbo work together and run a, a thing and – I'd like to think for the most part, we bring slightly different things to the table and are hopefully primarily complementary. You and Dan obviously therefore have a similar kind of relationship. It's different than mine and Jimbo's because we're different people. But what is, how do you and Dan complement each other within work? Because you've been doing it for long enough now that they must be there. <laughs> Otherwise this wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I, I think um, when you're working with a partner, it, it is it, it can be difficult if it's not the right partner. And obviously, you boys have obviously been in, in previous coaching companies that, that didn't work out for, for, for various reasons, no doubt. And again, similar experiences with myself. And so I've also seen people who I've worked with come in in partnerships or try to form partnerships and it, and it doesn't work. So I actually think it's quite a rare thing that you could work with a partner for a long period of time. Uh, and I think, hmm. I just think by sheer luck and coincidence um it, it kind of clicked with me and dan is that we both shared a similar sense of humor we um both have similar styles of, of I, I guess personality we both have similar values ethics morals you know um kind of that goals everything you know we both coach very very similar um it was like everything clicked and then the things that complemented each other. So like, for example, I used to have muscle, he had none. So at least, at least one of us, <laughs> you know, at least, at least one of us looked like, you know, gave us some credibility. Um, and then for example, he's better at tech stuff than I am. So he would do the tech stuff. I'm more creative. So the ideas would probably come from me. Dan would then implement. It, it was like, it, it, it was just like a jigsaw. Mm. It was like a jigsaw piece. So I would no, I would be nowhere near where I am now without Dan. And vice versa, I would probably say, um, is that we both needed one another um, because of those um, complementing features. And it's just worked really well. But I don't think that's something that you can force. I, I just think that that's just from sheer yeah. luck. I genuinely believe that. Yeah, I think that, that strikes me as right. And we've got Dan on soon as well so we'll see what dan says to the similar question what i'm hoping he does is just slag you off deeply because then it makes for a funnier contrast here's what mike had to say about dan what dan had to say about mike it's like wow i'm amazed they still work together but i think you, you know <laughs> there are those intangibles of like it, it's a partnership so who, how do you know whether or not the person you've just met is going to be the right one maybe that leads us on to um a kind of conversation a little bit about networking and a community of people that you that you get around has that been something you guys ever deliberately did anything about Do you, have you found that quite natural whether you want to call that outreach or networking or whatever it is that you want to kind of call that any thoughts i'm going to throw this back to you do you think we have a good network I think you're all cunts, uh, and I'm just taking advantage of you um, for, for having you on. That's the only reason. So, so do, uh, that's a good question on for you guys. So 
on one level, yes. On another level, I, when I think of you guys, I don't think of, oh, those guys are the best connected people in the fitness industry, quote, unquote, quote, in the, you know, we've known people who know each other for 10 years or so in, in within the kind of fitness industry, whether that is Gordon Greenhorn or you mentioned Luke Johnson earlier, Mike Samuels, uh, these kinds of guys, right? They've been, we sort of grew up around the same time in the fitness industry and now we're all sadly in our 30s approaching 40 or 40 in gym case, right? So that kind of stuff. So there's clearly been a, a network. You've you've been a part of body type nutrition. So Ben Coomber and that kind of thing. That's how you then met Steve Box and Dan, who you work with. And Laura, my ex-girlfriend, was a part of Team Box. And so like there's clearly a, a, a network of sorts, but it, I don't, you guys don't have never struck me as people who go out of their way to be like, right, we need to, we need to cultivate relationships in the fitness industry. Yeah, that, that's why I threw it back to you because I actually think it's something that we should be better at to some degree. Um, Interesting. Because I, I, but then again, I don't want to because there's a lot. <laughs> um, so like, it's one of those things where I'm torn, where I'm like, we should probably network because you can see people get, you know, put in different places because of who they know. Um, and you get similar yeah. types of people speaking at similar types of events and it's always the same and it's because they're all friends. And there's that part of you that's yep. like, maybe we should just be friends with people. But then I just can't fake it. So it, it's kind of like, I don't feel like <laughs> we do have a network, to be honest. I feel like we kind of keep ourselves to ourselves. We respect other people. Um, and there's yeah. certainly people that we would like to do things with. Like, for example, um, the people that we would ask to speak at events and things like that, we kind of respect what they're doing we kind of agree with what they say and we think it could probably add value to people that follow us and um, so that's why we would mm -hmm. kind of get those people in but as for like um as for like sheer network yes i think we know a lot of people and um, just like you've just said like you just fall into things if you're in the industry for so long you just fall into these situations like the fact that you dated laura like nobody i couldn't have foreseen that you know um you know, like the I met Steve and Dan. I was just using her to get closer to you, Mike. That's really that's again every angle I've got here has led to this moment. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's just like, 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 like you boys know is that it's just you'll just fall into these things and you'll be at an event and somebody's there and you get chatting and then you go, oh, maybe we should do something. Oh, we should do this, and then you do that and then you might not speak to them again for another three years and go, oh, how are you doing? You know, it's like it's 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 not necessarily again like i don't think that we keep it a network there's certainly some people in this industry that i you, i that you can see are very very well connected and i think that they put the effort into to maintaining those and nurturing those like we are dreadful like we are really bad like we've we've tried like affiliate marketing with people for for us and we're just like but we can't be bothered to chat to people to maintain that, that affiliate. Like it, it, it's like, um, it, it just, you know, like you, are you not the same though? Uh, maybe a, that's a good question. I think the, the term sometimes puts me off because sometimes when I hear like networking and shit, I end up thinking sort of sleazy, a bit like some of the mentory stuff we were talking about earlier of like, you're doing it deliberately to get something out of someone. Yeah. And that's never struck me as like what I want to do. Like I'd like to work in an ideal world and have a network of people around me that I both like and respect mm -hmm. and that are complementary to what I do. And that's a nice network, but just going and kissing ass because you're like, Oh, that person might be able to get me to talk at this event. I'm like, Oh, it just feels sleazy to mm -hmm. me. So 
I've got a network, but I, similar to you, I don't think I've ever deliberately tried to be like, right, sitting in a room with a bunch of strings and pictures on a wall and being like, right, if I get to that guy, then I can get to that guy. And then finally, I will be <laughs> taken seriously. So yeah, I suppose mine's similar. How's Jimbo yours? Because Jimbo's surprisingly well connected for a, for a quiet guy. <laughs> surprisingly well connected because of probably the duration in the industry, rather than yeah. directly trying to connect. Partly because I've seen firsthand, I'm going to say in life, um, someone really yeah, wrote their business very well through being that person who purely focused on connection. Um, and I've seen that in life and I was like, no, I just don't like the morals around that. I don't like how that's sort of played out um, in a sense. So yeah, I'm well connected by the people who've known me through the years and I've known through the years um, in that way, through the companies I've worked with and the business people I've worked with. Um, I will say this though, that like, um, for Mike, for someone who says that they don't like kind of networking and this stuff, what you are good at is uh, communication and replying and commenting and all that kind of shit. Like if you comment on one of Mike's stories and laugh or say some shit or whatever, he will always reply to those things. Um, and that is its own form of this type of networking stuff, right? It's also just you responding to shit. And hopefully that's because he, you know, doesn't hate us over here at least. And that's sometimes that's all that needs to be. And maybe a bit like the shit we were talking about earlier to bring it kind of full circle of you're playing a longer game. You don't know what relationships are going to lead to whatever they lead to over time, but you're just going, all right, this person seems decent. They took the effort to kind of talk to me or say something to me. I should, I feel, you know, cause I'm not an asshole. I should reply and say something back and doing that over and over time. Who knows where it leads? Like, Gordon Greenhorn, who is our videographer and a part owner of the PT project, like he was my first ever online coach back in 2012, I think it was. And over the years, that developed into cool, he was my coach for a few years. Then we were friends. Then I was his stag do. And then it's turned into kind of this. And I've done things for him and he's done things for me. And as a result of knowing Gordon, then we get to know other people because he has a, a network. But that none of that came because of a deliberate choice to. I'm going to fucking network and this is going to pay off in 11 years time. Like, no, it was just trying to be, I like this person. Let's hang out with them a bit more. Yeah. And we have shared interests. That's, that's it. And, and by the way, it's, it's actually my Filipino VA that, that you're chatting to, um, Paul. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, I wonder no, what the accent was. Yeah. No, no, that's just, that's just polite though, isn't it? Like, it's just, it's just polite. Like if somebody yeah. messages you, it's just, you know, it, it is what it is. I think that's um, special, but, like, like again, it's one of those things though where you can you can look at somebody from afar and go, well, the, are there, are those boys doing good things, right? And the way that we would look at you is, you, you know, you're doing good things, you're upskilling coaches, um, you're very very intelligent around the things that you're covering, you know, f you know, far far more than me around lots of things, um, and and there's an element of respect there, and you go, you boys are doing good things, um, in in you know, with the people that you're working with. So there's there's always that you know I'm only going to tarnish or or veer away from a relationship if I've got like this preconceived idea of, uh, of 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 somebody being slightly disingenuous or doing things for the wrong reason or not having values and automatically I don't like them and, and they might actually be a really nice person to to go and chat to they, they might actually to be fair but I'm I guess I'm slightly biased in the fact that if I kind of respect what you're doing then yeah I'm I'm more open to, to chatting and, and and like you and like you said there is that you get to know one person and then they know people and then again because you've aligned with that what you've aligned with Gordon 
people that like Gordon probably like you, otherwise you and Gordon wouldn't like each other. And and you just kind of like pull pull you know people towards you or various people towards you, and it happens. Um, but- and by the way, that's it. Doesn't always happen. I've known people who know Gordon who uh, I've heard from Gordon's mouth have like slagged me off before <laughs> about things and like why is he saying this and so it's not like a given that those people will like it. But we're going to come back, I suppose, to personality and are you meaning what you say and some people are going to take that the wrong way oh, Gordon, and, Gordon you know, will like it. you must come across coaches who give a shit a lot about like what if people judge me what do you normally say to to those folks you're supposed to be judged like other, <laughs> you want somebody to make a decision on you like yeah it's okay if, if not everybody you know doesn't like you it's okay some people might not like you and that's all right um but the people that will like you will probably like you more um than if you were just trying to please everybody um, you know, you're not friends with everybody in real life. So why do why do you need every follower to, to like you? So it, it's a, it's one of those things. Gordon will like this when you talk about people not liking you who like Gordon. Near enough, everybody that speaks to me about Gordon doesn't like Gordon. Um, so <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to clip the shit out I, of that uh, moment. <laughs> in fact, Gordon, so you asked me, so Gordon, I am talking directly to Gordon here. Um, Gordon, nice. you asked me to to get you a uh, a recording of a podcast I've just been on, and um, I have asked <laughs> I've asked him for the recording, and he and I said my uh, my video my video editor has asked for it, and he said, "Who is it, Gordon?" And I said, "Yes," and he said, "Me and Gordon had a big argument back in the day." I was like, "Fucking hell, that sounds like Gordon." Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, to be to, to a point though, that's how I I came across Gordon Gordon on the in the Facebook days of 2011-12, was basically just ranting against half the crap that he saw within the fitness industry. He was trolling them, as a result. Learning, he was indeed, yeah, even though they were, both worked for UP at the time, yeah. uh, and then just after kind of Gordon left. So, But as a result of that, I kind of knew what he stood for, and I felt like, oh, I aligned with that a little yeah. bit more. And it kind of used to make me laugh a little bit. And so, cool. If, if he hadn't done that, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have hired him and he wouldn't, that, you know, all those things. That, that is exactly the point where you've just asked me the question about making a judgment. So you loved it because it aligned with what you wanted. And now you've been to on his stag do, you're in business with him. Yeah. Like you loved it. But conversely, it was, so really what we've learned is it was a terrible decision uh, that's led to some horrible consequences from there. If I'd have just judged better <laughs> at the start, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be in this boat. But yeah, that's that's but right. Yeah. Like for every one of you that loved it, there might have been one that didn't like it. But that's okay. Like it's okay because um, then you form friendships where people come on your stag dues and go into business with you. So, so it's all good. So one last question before we've taken up far too much of your time here, buddy. So slightly kind of re- unrelated to a lot of stuff because it's more about you than about the people kind of listening. But what does because you're a busy fuck, right? So what does success look like for mike over the next period of time whether that's long term short term just day to day whatever what do you what do you class your version of success as um so oh, okay so this might be this might go a bit too deep um so my version of success sounds it sounds wanky um but, but it it, <laughs> it would it would it would to be It'd be to be to be happy and to have the people around me to be to be happy and to be looked after and to be secure. Um, if that happens, then I feel like I'd 
you know, probably been successful. Um, one of the biggest things that drives me is, and I've only learned this through working with a therapist, is that um, I've got a, a massive fear of, of not being good enough. Um, I, I'm very, very critical about myself. Uh, I always have been. People don't know. People don't know too much because I, I, you know, you play up online and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm really critical of myself. Um, I'm really underconfident. Um, yet bizarrely confident at the same time. Um, it, it's a, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Um, and everything that drives me, I'm not motivated by um, finances or um, or material goods. Um, they're great and I'm not going to say that we haven't been um, focused at times on specific revenue numbers um, you know to move the business forward but that's but that for me is not because it's something that gets you more things it's because it it moves me further away from failure Um, because all I'm ever thinking about is what happens if this fails what happens if this collapses? What will people say about me? How am I going to have let my family down? Like, how am I going to have let the people around me that are dependent on me now, like, down? So success to me will will be stability, happiness, definitely less work, spending time with loved ones. I feel like I'm having to accept that that's going to be in the future um, because at the moment I have to do the work now to allow that um so that's probably what i would define as success for me so one of the things that strikes me when you say that i suppose is okay so we've got this happiness idea but then actually what you described was more of a running away from a pain of sort than an um an almost is that an association of moving away from the pain is that happiness and so the absence of that means happy or does happiness to you mean something else than that i feel like um, if it's I got re- deep now, yeah, but I feel like if I remove, um, and, and I'm probably misguided. Um, I feel like if I if I remove um, that notion of failure, that it will allow further happiness. So, like, um, I've grown up in a family where my dad um, struggles with depression. Um, he's um, attempted suicide um, previously. And um, God, this has changed, hasn't it? This uh, this podcast. Um, and like <laughs> my my version of success and pretty much everything I work for is um, to 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 help my parents, to to look after my parents, um, and to look after you know my partner. Um, and I want to be able to try to remove that 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 pain. I think from from somebody, whether I could and whether it's you know that it's certainly not removal of pain, but it, it certainly would alleviate some stress if I could do certain things for my, for my family for sure. Um, so it feels like that's what I'm working towards. I'm not getting, I'm not really getting any joy out of it. I don't really get any happiness out of it. It's very draining. Um, but I feel like if I'm able to do that, that will give me some relief. Um, and once that's almost done, because there's certain things that I want to do that that will have a finite ending, um, that can allow me to relax a little bit, then I would be happier, I feel. Um, and I definitely believe I will be happier 
when that time comes because I will be able to remove some work. I will be able to remove some stress. And I will be able to spend more time with the family and friends that, that I have and ultimately what I'm doing this all for. Um, that's when I believe that I will be happier and therefore more successful. Does that make sense? So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, of course. So that's interesting in the sense that, you know, what you described is a sense of meaning and purpose to what you do, not just the acquisition of happiness in this moment, but almost the the delay of that happiness that if I do this meaningful work now, then I can allow myself happiness further down the line. And to me, that almost suggests that your definition of success in the day to day right now means happiness is secondary to purpose. And you're willing to put yourself second to those things because they're meaningful to you. And actually, from the person listening to it, I know we kind of joke around and we make a lot of comments, but I actually found that quite, um, oh, I've got emotional. <laughs> uh, I find it kind of moving. I find that stuff quite, um, it makes me care. It makes me like you more. And that ability to be vulnerable and to be open and to be honest about that stuff. You know, sometimes I think we think people either have to be open and honest and emotional or sarcastic and you know giving each other shit and i i've always thought that's bollocks because if you're anything like us here you like both <laughs> mm. like both can exist within you um so i thought that was that was uh, really cool so thank you very much for sharing that now uh before we go deep deep down the rabbit hole of continuing that one and take up far too much of your time with turning this into a half therapy thing although could do that further uh you know another day maybe but if people don't know where you are, how to get hold of you, dude, uh, where's the best place to find you? Uh, yeah, so um, so currently um, on Instagram will be Mike Biceps Banter um, or um, YouTube, which would be Biceps and Banter. FYI, though, if you're listening to this in the future, and this is the first time that we've said this, um, by the way, Paul, when's this podcast going out? Uh, next, not next week, the week after, I think. Uh When's that? Start of August? So our, yeah, our name our name's going to be changing, basically, um, essentially. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, you're the first people who's told. It's going to be business and banter rather than biceps and banter. Um, we're still going to have... Dan still, doesn't have any... Biceps, yeah. Um, no banter. So. <laughs> it's nothing to do with you're good at business. It's just business and business. That's yeah. Dan's new, yeah. new tagline. He almost got sued under the Trades Descriptions Act because what they were expecting was <laughs> banter and got nothing. Um, so, um, yeah, so like that, that's the first time that I've said that. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or maybe, whatever. Congrats. No, it won't, it's not going to be. When's the rebrand happen? No, I don't know, Paul. Um, <laughs> we're being marked about about four weeks away but you can either find us under biceps banter or business banter it's one or the other we're still keeping biceps banter open because we still coach some fat loss clients we've still got coaches doing the fat loss stuff but we just realized that our name actually means nothing now that we're doing something completely different so, um, <laughs> it's a good point yeah. <laughs> um, so awesome. yeah. well in that case thanks very much dude it was a pleasure having you on and hopefully we'll do it again in the future thanks for having me